Hello, and welcome to A History of Japan. Season 5, Episode 11, The First Child Emperor. There can be little doubt that Fujiwara Yoshifusa reached the apex of his political career toward the end of 858, when, in addition to holding the office of Daijo Daijin, or Chancellor, his nine-year-old grandchild now sat upon the chrysanthemum throne. While he was not the first Kuge to successfully become the de facto ruler of the nation, he does seem to be one of the first who was not only able to make it stick, so to speak, but also to create a dynasty of his own. He was the first person who was not a member of the imperial family to be named Sesho, which is specifically a regent who governs on behalf of a child. Great care was taken to properly mourn the late Emperor Montoku, and even the usual New Year's festivities were cancelled. The late Emperor and Yoshifusa had their differences, but it was still important to uphold the sacred nature of the House of Yamato, the deified nature of Japanese sovereignty. The Fujiwara regents who exercised power during the Heian period are often compared to the mayors of the palace of the Frankish kingdom in the 700s, who gradually accumulated absolute political influence on behalf of serving the king. A critical difference, obviously, is that the Fujiwara house never sought to become the ruling dynasty, only to become the practical rulers of the nation, while the sovereigns themselves remained figureheads. The longevity of the Imperial House of Japan is a subject of rigorous historical debate, and one of the many things that makes Japan unique in the scope of human history. One of the first actions taken on behalf of the young sovereign was to build a grand shrine dedicated to Hachiman, the kami of warfare. You may recall that Hachiman is considered to be the deified Emperor Ojin. During the Nara period, he began to be synchronized into the Buddhist pantheon as Hachiman Daibosatsu, or Hachiman the Great Bodhisattva. His spiritual evolution continued in the Heian period, so that he gradually became the patron god of warriors, as well as the guardian spirit that protected Japan. The story goes that a Buddhist monk named Gyo-kyo experienced a vision of Hachiman telling him that he wanted to reside nearer to the capital so that he might better protect both the government and the imperial family. A second vision informed Gyo-kyo that Hachiman preferred his new shrine to be built on Mount Otokoyama, which is to the southwest of Heian-kyo. The term shrine is a little misleading, as I think most listeners picture shrines as being fairly small structures. The Iwashimizu Hachimangu Shrine was expanded upon by future generations until it is the massive shrine complex which you can see today. The syncretizing of Hachiman would continue throughout the Heian period and beyond, which means that the complex had a mix of Buddhist and indigenous kami worship buildings. I'll post some pictures on the supplemental post. Hachiman shrines have their own unique architectural style called Hachiman Zukuri, and you may want to see that for yourself. 
Fujiwara Yoshifusa established what can be considered a sub-dynasty of powerful Kuge, an impressive feat for a man with no sons of his own. He adopted a son of one of his brothers, and Fujiwara Mototsune became Yoshifusa's heir. Mototsune rose through the ranks of the Daijo Daikon throughout the 850s, serving in various posts like chamberlain, officer in the palace guards, and member of the small council, the Shonagon. Things seemed to have gone well under Fujiwara Yoshifusa, and he even stepped down from the office of Sesho in 864, when Emperor Seiwa came of age and was ready to fulfill all the duties of a sovereign. Keep in mind that Yoshifusa was still Daijo Daijin, the chancellor, and still essentially guided the course of state. That same year, possibly just after Yoshifusa's abdication of Sesho, Tomo Yoshio brought a complaint to the proper channels about a rumor that Minamoto Makoto was plotting a rebellion. At the time, those who received this news did nothing with it, and life went on. A few years later, however, something happened which could not be so easily ignored. We need a little backstory on Tomo Yoshio before continuing on to the Otenmon incident. We've discussed how the fortunes of the Otomo clan fell after the assassination of Fujiwara Tanetsugu because of the alleged involvement of the clan head Otomo Yakamochi. They were gradually allowed back into the Great Council of State in the early 800s, and Tomo Yoshio had even convinced the court, through legal argument, to return some of the farmland previously confiscated from the Otomo clan, change in surname notwithstanding. Through Tomo Yoshio's leadership, the clan arguably fully recovered their status and prestige, and in 864 he was appointed as Dainagon, roughly translated as Vice-Chancellor. This office was ranked below only the Daijo Daijin, the Sadaijin, and Udaijin, but above everyone else. It had been 134 years since a member of his clan had attained the office of Dainagon. I do not know the nature of his conflict with Minamoto Makoto, but there can be no doubt that the two did not get along. It could be that Tomo Yoshio felt threatened by the fact that Makoto was a relative of the emperor, being both a son of the late emperor Saga and a brother to the late emperor Nimyo. Whatever the case, the fact that Yoshio brought a rumor of Makoto's supposed plans of rebellion to the Justice Department in 864 reveals that he wanted the Saga Genji Sadaijin out of the picture, one way or another. In 866, disaster struck. The main gate that led to the imperial palace, called Otenmon, caught fire and burned to the ground. Probably citing his earlier report from a few years before, Tomo Yoshio accused Minamoto Makoto of setting the blaze. The Udaijin, minister of the right, Fujiwara Yoshimi, quickly ordered Makoto's arrest, and the imperial guard was dispatched to besiege his house until he agreed to come along. This caused tremendous grief and trauma throughout Makoto's household, which was immortalized in a later hand-scroll painting called Ban Dainagon Ekotoba. Fujiwara Mototsune was suspicious of the entire affair, 
and swiftly brought word to his adopted father, Yoshifusa. The Chancellor did not believe that Minamoto Makoto was capable of such sabotage, and he immediately convened the court and summoned the Emperor to preside over this matter personally. Yoshifusa testified on Makoto's behalf, assuring the sovereign and the court of the Sadaijin's integrity in the matter. Makoto was declared innocent, and an official apology sent to his home after the imperial guards besieging it stood down. The Sadaijin never fully recovered from this event. Minamoto Makoto was 56 years old at the time, and the stress of the accusations as well as the trauma of having his house besieged was just too overwhelming. He shut himself into his house thereafter and emerged in 869 for a hunting trip. He suffered an accident during that outing and died later as a result of his injuries. Later that year, an anonymous tip claimed that it was Dainagon Tomo Yoshio himself who set the Otenmon Gate ablaze. After an investigation headed by the Chancellor, of course, the Dainagon and his son were both found guilty of the affair, as were a slew of other supporters. Tomo Yoshio was exiled to Izu Province, a remote rocky peninsula south of modern Tokyo. His son Nakatsune was exiled to Oki Province, the small island far to the north of western Honshu, and many from the Tomo clan and the Ki clan were likewise expelled from their posts and sent to distant places. This is generally seen as another opportunistic purge on Yoshifusa's part, particularly as the only material accusation against Yoshio was made anonymously. Fujiwara Yoshimi, the Udaijin who had deployed the guard against Makoto, was not exiled or otherwise punished at this time. He was not only a Fujiwara, but one of Yoshifusa's fellow members of the Hokke branch. It is said that he lost influence in court after this incident, however, which could mean that the Chancellor decided it wouldn't be worth the potential intra-clan fallout from exiling him. He died the next year, and Tomo Yoshio perished the year after that. Tomo Yoshio did not completely disappear after his death, however. According to a later folktale, as a ghost, he regretted his actions in burning down the Otenmon Gate, and as a way of atoning for it, he reached from beyond the grave to stop an epidemic that would have killed everyone on Japan, turning it into a minor cough. Deities which could prevent or heal pestilence became much more popular during the Nara and Heian periods as smallpox became endemic in the population. Smallpox even had its own demons, which families would sometimes enshrine if a member of their household contracted the disease, hoping to curry favor with its spiritual counterpart. I believe it was after this incident called the Otenmon Conspiracy that Emperor Sewa came to Yoshifusa and practically begged him to be reinstated as regent. Whatever the case, in 866, Yoshifusa took up the mantle of regent once more and continued directing matters of state, both in his capacity as the emperor's direct agent and as the chancellor of the Daijo Daikon. 866 is also the year that a curious and illustrative incident took place on the shared border of southern Mino province and northern Owari province in Chubu, the region just east of Kansai. 
The Hirono River flows near that border, a good source of fresh water for irrigating crops. Those living in southern Mino had previously redirected the river for this purpose, and those living in northern Owari province asked the court's permission to restore the river's natural flow, which would bring the precious water through their lands. The court granted permission, and the work began. As the laborers were digging a ditch to redirect the river, they were attacked by 700 armed men raised by the local magistrates of the districts in southern Mino, and many of the Owari workers were killed in the ensuing melee. The Heian period is often portrayed as a time when all of Japan peacefully basked in the harmony of imperial rule, but stories like this reveal the truth. Local problems were often solved through small-scale acts of violence like the battle at Hirono River. The court may have disapproved of such actions, but seems to have been relatively powerless to prevent or curtail them. Casual violence was particularly endemic to the Kanto, which is part of what made that region such fertile ground for hardened troops. In addition to Fujiwara Yoshifusa's duties as Daijo Daijin and Sesho, he was also overseeing the compilation of a new legal code called the Jogan Kyakushiki. Kyaku referred to new laws which were needed to address contemporary changing conditions, and Shiki referred to more granular rules regarding the enforcement and practical application of the new laws. Jogan referred to the era name, which had been chosen at the beginning of Emperor Sewa's reign. The first part, the Kyaku, was submitted to the emperor in 869, the second, Shiki, in 871. Yoshifusa saw to it that these were promulgated into official law. Parts of them were supplemental to the existing Ritsuryo codes, and in some places they even superseded the older codes. The original Jogan Kyakushiki is lost to us today, but experts have pieced much of it together from later references. One of the many Kuge scholars who worked on the Jogan Kyakushiki was a man named Sugawara Koreyoshi. He had served as tutor to both Emperor Montoku and Emperor Sewa in their youth, and is considered to have been one of the foremost scholars of his day. He composed poetry, gave lectures about Confucian principles, and exhibited great appreciation for Buddhism. His son was Sugawara Michizane, a man whom we will discuss in much greater detail a few episodes from now. Fujiwara Yoshifusa was a true trailblazer in Japanese government in almost every possible avenue. He enthroned a child emperor and governed on his behalf, he dealt with a conspiracy without large-scale bloodshed while preserving the abolition of capital punishment for treason, and he even oversaw the supplementation of the existing legal structure. The year after the Jogan Kyakushiki became established law, he died at the age of 69. Yoshifusa's career was impressive, and now that he was gone, Emperor Sewa wanted to find another Kuge as reliable and influential as the late Chancellor to help him guide the ship of state. Luckily for him, Yoshifusa's adopted son, Fujiwara Mototsune, 
was only too happy to fill that role. Next time, we'll look at the final years of Seiwaten no's reign and witness the rise of the next great Fujiwara regent. Until then, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at A History of Japan, visit the online store ahistoryofjapan.threadless.com, and find us on the web ahistoryofjapan.com. Thank you.